Tired of hearing the same thing over and over again? Frustrated with the social, political, and professional landscape of your community? If so, you're in the right place. We can tackle any issue or conversation if we approach life with the Reasonable Person Standard. And now, Dr. Bob. What's the Reasonable Person Standard, you ask? According to the dictionary, a reasonable person will look at life through the lenses of fair, moderate, not excessive, nor extreme, and typically that of sound judgment. Are you that person? Hey, welcome everybody. This is Dr. Bob. Today we're talking about the value of higher education. Now this may seem like a no-brainer coming from someone who's spent many years pursuing learning opportunities, so let me just tell you that I'm a lifelong learner and really enjoy searching for knowledge in order to gain a better understanding of the world around me. I grew up in a broken home and with a single mom who struggled to get through the month financially. I didn't have access to great education nor great opportunities, but I liked to learn. Not academic stuff at the time, but I was curious. I was the guy that enjoyed taking things apart to see how they worked, much to the chagrin of my brother when I took his very fancy radio apart. Man, I wish they had a high school curriculum for that stuff when I was growing up. Instead, it was algebra, trig, and chemistry. Terrible. Education is a valuable commodity in today's society. It's not the be-all, end-all for sure, but reasonable people use knowledge as a springboard to bigger and better things. And despite what some of the narratives are out there, Knowledge is available to everyone in our society. Is it true that many families struggle to comprehend the true value of higher education? Yes. Is it true that many families struggle to find ways to send their kids to college? Yep. Is it true that some people will never have the opportunity to attend college due to their less-than-stellar academic performance and or perceived academic potential? Yes. But the desire to gain knowledge is free, and the only resource it expends is your own willingness to seek it out. Reasonable people will find ways to gain knowledge. So let me begin with my story. I grew up in the D.C. area, and all I ever wanted to be was a Georgetown Hoya. Maybe it was the great basketball team, or just the mere hype of going to Georgetown, but that is where I wanted to go. So, with my dream on my head, I headed off to high school. Unfortunately for me at the time, I was a terrible high school student. In fact, just until recently, my mom didn't believe that I graduated from high school. It wasn't until I walked across the stage to receive my doctorate when she finally gave in. And between you and me, she probably thinks I rigged the system somehow, but that story is for another day. Now, even though my grades were terrible, I held on to that Georgetown dream. When it was time for the conversation with my school guidance counselor regarding, you know, the th- what are you going to do after your, after your high school career, she sat me down and asked me what my plans were. Of course, I said, I want to go to Georgetown. She then asked, Georgetown University? As if there was some other Georgetown to consider. Yes, I said, as I reaffirmed my desire to be a Hoya. She looked at me with disbelief, stared down at her notes, assumably at my terrible grades, and then began to laugh out loud. Now, I wasn't afraid of tough love, mind you, but dang! Yes, she laughed, and after her laughter subsided, she suggested I consider joining the military or going to community college. So graduation came and went, and off to community college I went. The term NOVA, which is short for Northern Virginia Community College, was literally a four-letter word and carried such a stigma that most of us mortals were embarrassed to mention it. My first class had 120 people in it, and I could barely see the professor from where I was sitting. The classroom was just ginormous. I'll never forget what the professor said once class started on that very first day. He said, you know what, I don't care if you come to class. I don't care if you do your homework. 
I don't care if you pass. You paid money to be here, and they are paying me money to be here. Let's just come to terms with that. So what was my takeaway? Man, college is the best thing ever. So what do you think happened when a young, immature, unfocused, no work ethic, and undisciplined kid heard that from his teacher? You guessed it, epic failure. To this day, that D I earned in college PE still haunts me because it's on my transcripts. It wasn't until years later when I was in the army that I decided to give college a second chance. My past academic history was still terrible, and the dream of going to Georgetown was a distant memory, but all I needed was someone to give me a chance. I know I had developed some work ethic and discipline and the understanding of just how important knowledge can be. I signed up for classes with a local community college and never looked back. Almost 25 years later, I became Dr. Bob. I tell this story not to boast about educational credentials, but simply to point out that the sheer desire to learn can remove most obstacles. I wasn't privileged by any stretch, certainly not financially nor academically. I didn't have access to great education growing up, nor did I really want it. Had I somehow been accepted to Georgetown, I would have certainly failed. Not because of the mediocre education I received at the local high school, but because I had no work ethic, nor the desire to do the work it actually took to succeed. Once I got serious, though, I scrapped through every course and I found ways to pay for my own education. Hard work trumps opportunity every time. But the harsh reality is that many people want to reap the rewards of excellence, but are rarely willing to do the work required to achieve it. So let's break this down in two major areas, money and relevance. Let's tackle the money first. Regardless of where you stand on the idea of free college for everyone, let's face it, college is expensive. No matter where you go, tuition is on the rise. The extra fees in the fine print are exorbitant, and the books, housing, and meal plans are more expensive than ever. How do we then combat the basic question of how to quantify the financial value of higher education? What's the return on investment? the ROI. It seems as though it should be basic math, which I was terrible at in high school, mind you. So let's say that College X ends up costing you $10,000 per year out the door. That's after scholarships and grants. Assuming it takes you four years to complete your bachelor's degree, that's 40 grand total at best. Also assuming that you can't stroke a check for that 40,000 to pay for it, you are like most Americans in that you will likely rely on loans to cover that cost. Even though there are different types of educational loans out there, 40000 bucks is a ton of money to borrow. Debt that will be hanging over your head for quite some time. Now let's say you've graduated on time and you're entering the workforce, ready to take on that world with your newly minted bachelor's degree in underwater basket weaving. 40000 in debt and no job. What kind of job are you going to have to land in order to stay financially afloat? A pretty good one and one that will likely be super competitive to land. And even if you land a good job out of the gate, how long is it going to take for you to pay off those student loans? According to the Department of Education, the total student loan debt in the United States in 2020 is approximately $1.56 trillion. 44 million people in the U.S. carry student debt with an average of about 33,000 debt per student. Those folks carrying student debt have an average payment of about 400 bucks. Beyond that, The Department of Education reports that nearly 11% of student loans are more than 90 days delinquent. Here's some more insight for you. More than 3 million student loan borrowers have student loan debt greater than $100,000, with approximately 800,000 of that total holding student loan debt greater than $200,000. 
The largest concentration of student debt is between 20 and 40,000, which accounts for 9.5 million student loan borrowers. Also interesting to note is that there's a large disparity within the age ranges of those carrying this student debt. As of 2019, people under the age of 24, which accounts for most traditional college students who have just graduated, those folks account for $121 billion of the total student debt, while people in the age range from 35 to 49 account for $575 billion of the debt. Not only is that population size larger, but that is the age range many adults decide to pursue graduate education, which can typically be more expensive. If you're going to spend money on an investment, you'll likely want to grasp the likelihood of getting a return on that, the ROI. So the folks at mycollegetimeline.com had this to say about ROI. Going to college will be a major investment of time and money. So some college guides are now starting to rank colleges by ROI, which stands for Return on Investment. College ROI rankings determine which school will bring you the best return on your money based on your lifetime earnings. To do this, they consider things like the level of debt their students graduate with and the salaries that graduates earn. To look at the estimated ROIs for some of the top schools, you can visit a site called payscale.com. Payscale has ranked nearly 1,500 colleges, public and private, by their ROI. Payscale also lists the starting salaries of graduates from schools on their list. So, if you're concerned about how much college will cost you, compared to what you can expect to earn in your lifetime, then check out payscale.com to get an idea what your return on investment might be. But here's the thing. While it's good to know about college ROIs and where you can get the estimated ROI for different schools, don't be overly concerned about it. Ultimately, it will be you and your motivation that will ensure your success and happiness. Reasonable people ask themselves, is it worth carrying significant debt for the opportunity to gain knowledge from college X? This is where being frugal and logical will help. I hate to break this to you folks, but for the most part, English 101 is the same everywhere. Whether you pay $1,000 a credit hour or 50 bucks a credit hour, it's likely the same. If you're simply seeking knowledge, then do some bargain hunting and find the place that will provide what you're looking for at a reasonable cost. Reasonable people don't get caught up in brand recognition nearly as much as their unreasonable peers. Would I like to have a degree on the wall from the most prestigious institution in the country? I guess so, but at what cost? Understand what you're seeking, whether it's knowledge or pedigree, and then shop accordingly. If it's recognition you're seeking, then be prepared for sticker shock. Also, do some homework. Find out what the employment rate is for graduates of the school you're considering. Those numbers are usually telling. And lastly, do some networking. Link up with people that are in the industry you are wanting to be a part of and find out where they went to school. You'll likely be surprised. Now let's transition to the relevance piece. Simply said, where you want to go to school and what you want to study. As a segue into this, here are some financial stats. For public colleges, 66% of borrowers who graduated from public colleges have student loan debt. Average student loan debt at public colleges is $25,000, which is 25% higher today than it was in 2008. Now, private nonprofit colleges, 75% of borrowers who graduated from private nonprofit colleges have student loan debt. Average student loan debt from private nonprofit colleges is $32,000, which is a 15% increase than it was in 2008. 
And lastly, the for-profit colleges. 88% of borrowers who graduated from for-profit colleges have student loan debt. Average student loan debt for a for-profit college is almost $40,000, which is 26% higher today than it was in 2008. Who says the business of college is not booming? So once you have an idea of what it is you'd like to do when you grow up, it's time to face reality. According to Bankrate, the most valuable degrees to pursue in terms of employability and long-term financial impact are naval architecture and marine engineering, nuclear engineering, pharmaceutical sciences, genetics, and electrical engineering. The least valuable, according to them, are drama and theater arts, visual and performing arts, composition and rhetoric, literature and fine arts. Now this doesn't mean that you shouldn't pursue your passion, but reasonable people will consider the upfront cost of such an education when looking at future employment opportunities and financial stability. Now in all transparency, I earned a bachelor's degree in music, but the reality is, as a performing artist, you really don't need a degree to state the obvious. In in that field particularly, it's either you can play or you can't. Now that we know which degrees can be the most valuable, let's look at degrees uh, that are the most popular. Shockingly, the two lists are not aligned very well. So according to the National Center for Education Statistics, the most popular undergraduate degrees are business, health professions, psychology, history, biomedical sciences, engineering, communication, and performing arts. What this is telling us is that people's passions and interests typically outweigh the financial or employment value when it comes to education. Great win for the education business, but not so much for those willing to pay crazy amounts of money only to get minimal financial ROI. Yes, there are more important things than financial value, but reasonable people know that going into it. Both are valuable, but don't intertwine passion with financial stability. For those seeking education for learning's sake, I encourage you to find an institution that will teach you how to think, but not necessarily what to think. That framework is significantly more valuable long term. For those seeking education in order to further your career opportunities, find out what credentials are actually necessary to get in the door before you just jump on the educational crazy train that could land thousands of dollars in debt on your plate without any industry standard credential. Bottom line is, don't pay for something you don't need. Earning a degree feels good, but what does your industry really value? For some, experience combined with certifications are the way in, while for others, the pedigree you have meaning the degree you have earned and where it came from are more important. Our society places high value in education, but nothing can really beat out real-world experience, and organizations are changing their views on the true value of a degree. If you need a degree to get where you want to go, then be smart and go for it. If you simply need some sort of certification to achieve the same result, then by all means, do that. Higher education doesn't have to mean degree seeking. Higher education means seeking out opportunities to expand your knowledge and understanding of the world around you. That experience doesn't have to cost you a ton of cash. Reasonable people seek out knowledge at every level. Sometimes that costs money, but many times it does not. Think about expanding your time and effort with chasing free knowledge before you commit to paying for knowledge. If you determine that you have the work ethic and discipline to be successful, you have the necessary resources and the need to pursue higher education in a formal way, then do your homework and find the place that will teach you how to think and will prepare you to take on the world. Having discussions with people is so much more fun and valuable when you have an educated leg to stand on. That, my friends, is priceless.
But remember, at the end of the day, no matter who you talk to, no matter what you talk about, always treat people with dignity and respect. Well, that's our time for the day. Thanks for joining us here at the Reasonable Person Standard. Our music was performed by Kevin McLeod, and this podcast series is produced by Jam Studios. Thank you for joining today's conversation with Dr. Bob. Be sure to check out what he'll tackle next at www.bobhabib.net. And remember, you can tackle any issue or conversation if you approach life with the Reasonable Person Standard.